You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into Purple Access, of course, part of the Purple Daily family. It is Judd Zolgad. It is Declan Goff and our friend Tyler Fornis. You, you can hear um, Tyler uh, with uh, with Dex on Mondays. You also can see him usually every other week, but we're actually lucky to have him two weeks in a row here on Purple Access and um, also check his workout and mine as well, vikingswire.com, which is just a great place to go for one-stop shopping on the, the Vikings. One of if not the best site in town. It's fantastic. Um, Tyler gets up highlights. He gets up stories. He gets up breaking news. Whatever is happening with the Vikings, you will find at vikingswire.com. So check that out. And Forno, let's talk about the joint practices uh, that just wrapped up. Obviously, the Vikings will play the Titans now in a preseason game on Saturday. The starters won't play because they just got a ton of work over two days of practices at TCO Performance Center. The Arizona Cardinals, by the way, in next week for the same thing, two days of practices and a preseason game. Um, From what you were putting together, from what you saw, tell me what stood out in a, a good or bad way uh, from the joint practices that gave the first teamers a ton of valuable work for both clubs. Well, let, let's start with the concerning, and that is dominant interior defensive lineman. Jeffrey Simmons, from all accounts, was just ravaging the interior, and he's going to ravage really good guards, and that that's a concern. How are you going to be able to shift protections in order to help combat that? How are you going to be able to... Uh, get double teams and then how our defense is going to see that and then counter and try to get those guys freed up. I think that's the biggest concern for me. And it's not even that Bradbury Cleveland and Ingram are per se bad. It's when you have somebody great who can be that kind of just massive disruptor on the interior. How are you going to be able to combat that? I am very concerned about the Vikings ability to do so, whether it be one-on-one double teams, uh, however you want to shift or slide slide protections with the shift to more Shanahan inspired 12 personnel. Maybe we can get more like the boot action to be able to like have more drive blocks and be able to have two guys getting on Simmons and be able to kind of use his leverage to push him to where you want him to go. But it, it is a concern because dominant defensive tackles have given the Vikings massive fits over the course of the last few years. And it looks like it's going to be a continuing trend. Bueno, do you see teams probably attacking the Vikings defensive line a lot on, on the running game side? Uh, obviously they've been a little leaky before, even with uh, Dalvin Tomlinson gone. Now is that probably one of the biggest areas of weaknesses for the Vikings? Is that defensive line or do you see a, a different path there? I think the biggest weakness is probably going to still be at linebacker and it's going to be whether Brian Asamoah can be consistent because when he makes the explosive play, it's wow, this guy's got it. Problem is uh, he is like uh, a contestant on let's make a deal. Do I want to take the mystery box or do I want to take the guaranteed prize? Well, the mystery box could be either a five yard loss 
or a 30 yard run. And he doesn't quite know every single time where he needs to go to be able to make not just the explosive play, but the smart play. And Jordan Hicks is going to be making the smart play more often than not. He is a run thumper. And that's a massive value to what this Vikings team is going to need here moving forward on this defense. But Asamoah has got to figure out a way to play controlled and it being aggressive is wonderful. And you're going to need that, especially in this defense, but it's about controlling that aggression and funneling it into being productive. And he's done a much better job of it, but he needs to stay consistent in order for that to become a big thing. I think Kyrus Tog is going to step in at nose tackle and be better than Harrison Phillips because of the play style. I think Phillips is an overall better player. Tonga's is a better fit for what he's going to be asked to do. And I'm really excited to see him uh, take that job and run with it. I would say my concern, Tyler, on the Asamoah front right now also is missed time. I mean, he's missed Mm -hmm. a a substantial amount of practice, has an injury that's undisclosed. O'Connell talked over the weekend last week as if he was hoping to get him back for these joint practices against the Titans. Obviously, that did not take place. And Ivan Pace Jr. is a great story. And Mm -hmm. I think he is, you know, He's made the roster, and he's definitely right now giving himself a chance to play. But Asamoah and Miss Reps has to be a big part of the issue here, too, because, you know, to show the consistency that you're talking about and you're spot on, you have to be playing. So I think this is a little bit of a problem for Brian Flores and and the coaching staff. Um, If Asamoah doesn't get back on the field soon, just from not just an injury standpoint, but just from an overall playing mental standpoint, when's he going to be set to take on a significant amount of step um, snaps? Because it's not like he has the previous experience in this league. Absolutely. And film work is going to help him a lot to be able to identify what's going on in front of him and to be able to point and shoot. And it, that's uh, I, the one thing that concerns me is really what you just brought up, Judd, the missed reps and being able to point and shoot in live action. Because there's just a massive difference between practice and then actually doing it. Because, like, if you were to tell me, hey, here, here's a ball, go shoot some three pointers at the local YMCA, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I can probably hit at, after a certain point, I can probably get up to like 30, 40% with nobody in my face, maybe even a little bit higher. But the second you put me in a game situation and then I have to make that shot, you start to feel pressure. You've got defense in front of you. You're not necessarily going to have a wide open set shot. Like you were just practicing by yourself. They're just different. And you have to be able to process that fast during a live game situation. And Asamoah has improved, especially since last year. And you can kind of see some of those improvements just by watching practice. But at the end of the day, if you're not getting those live reps so you can practice it, And practice is the place you want to make those mistakes. Because if you make a mistake, guess who's going to be right there for you? Brian Flores talking you through why you saw that, why you made a mistake and be able to fix it right away. And the missed reps is going to, could end up paying massive, I guess, anti-dividends for the Vikings. Borno, do you think that Brian Asamoah is still shown enough that he can be an impact player for the Vikings in 2023 and in week one, especially, or is he going to have to take some time to kind of get built back up here? Well, no matter what, he's going to be an impact player. What's the impact going to be? Is it going to be positive or negative? And how can you curb the negative impact? Because that's the biggest thing here, Dex. And I I see Vinny in the background 
Poor guy. Oh, I've got you don't have to send him out of the room. Those watching you, on YouTube just saw Declan. What a mean dad. Hey, yeah, I, you, I've got I've got both of my pups downstairs. We're we're trying out some new things with them because uh, I just can't have him in my office while I'm recording anymore. It's just it's just too hard. <laughs> but it, it's about what that impact is going to be, and the lack of reps is going to make a really big impact on if it's positive or negative. And, that's going to be a real intrigue here for the Vikings. So, Forno, back to the interior of the offensive line. Um, what is your, just off the top of your head, what's your confidence there? And, I mean, it might be really, really low. It might be a five on a scale of one to, to ten. Because I will say this, the joint practices, you don't tackle to the ground. Like it's not, it's, you're not playing football necessarily per se, but they're as close as you're go- going to get right now to the first teamers actually getting reps where it gets physical as opposed to training camp practices against your teammates where there's a little bit of that, but you know, they, they were thudding up against the Titans way more. And there's the viral clip of Bradbury on Thursday being literally just tossed aside. I know he had some success as well. But if you were to list right now what your confidence is in, you know, Cleveland, Bradbury, Ingram, where does that fall? Because to me, that just remains a huge question mark. And I don't know. I put it like a five or a six. I think part of the reason why the pressure numbers were as bad as they were was because of how Kevin O'Connell wanted to call the offense with a lot more McVay concepts where you're running longer developing route concepts down the field. And one of the best examples I can point to is that final drive against the giants. It's a lot of vertical stuff and you're waiting for guys three seconds to cross open down the field and be able to spring open. Like three seconds is a lot of time, especially when you have a weaker interior offensive line cousins, obviously we know he had that rib injury and that all those nuances and he got hit a lot. He got pulverized in some games, but at the end of the day, it's the offense itself that was not helping the interior of that offensive line nearly as much as it probably should have. And I think at the end of the day, it cost them. And with this more Shanahan inspired offense, I think it's going to help continue to mitigate some of those weaknesses on the interior. But when you have to just drop back like a two minute drill situation, a last minute comeback drive, that's when that interior can really get exposed. And I, I don't, I'm not saying I'm not, confident or inconfident about him. I just, I'm pretty neutral. Bradbury's, he is what he is at this point. He's going to get, he's getting forklifted less than he used to, but he's still going to get pushed around. Like that move from yesterday's practice was classic Reggie white. Just that fake the, the rip and then just club him and push him over to the side. Like, that happens to a lot of offensive linemen. It just looks really, really bad considering the history of Bradbury and the Minnesota Vikings. Ingram, if you go on vikingswire.com, I did a, I used 12 film clips to kind of show where he's at and what some of the inconsistencies are. Um, so you can kind of go check that out. I think he's going to end up fine. And Cleveland's just an average plus guard. Like that's all you need. Yeah, you'd want Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson as your two guards, but yeah, Cleveland's fine. And as Drew Carey would say, Cleveland rocks. So like I I'm looking at it. Like I think Kevin O'Connell is going to do his best to mitigate uh, some of these deficiencies, but the deficiencies are real. 
How much will Josh Oliver, you think, uh, Forno help out with that as well? I mean, he's he's a great run blocker, and he's going to help get get a lot of these guys some some blocks and get get running backs in open space. How much will the addition of Josh Oliver kind of help solidify maybe some of the weaknesses in general on the offensive line? That's really interesting, Declan, because the thing is, you don't need help with the tackles. And unless you are trusting Josh Oliver to handle a defensive end, then I don't really know how much he's going to help in pass protection unless you're pulling him, doing some split zone action, maybe doing like a counter style pull where he's They're pulling some of that. Yes. Like yes. those are the things where Oliver is going to be able to make a massive difference. But do you really want to waste Oliver helping block with Christian Derrissaw? No, you'd want Derrissaw to move in and help Cleveland or O'Neill to go help Ingram. And then Oliver takes that wide defender. And I'm not quite sure how often you want to do that. As good of a blocker as Oliver has shown himself to be, it's still a tight end against a defensive end. That's not a matchup that you want to see. And those are usually matchups that defensive coordinators salivate over because you can really take advantage of the offense in those situations. I'm intrigued to see how he's going to be utilized because I think there's meat on that bone. But it's how that gets used that I'm just not 100% sure what that will look like at this point. Okay, let's talk about, uh, let's transition from the blocking and the concerns about the interior of the offensive line to another position that's a concern. And it's a concern right now because the Vikings in the Thursday joint practice against the Titans sort of saw firsthand what a lack of depth can do cornerback, Tyler. So Makai Blackman goes out with what looked like a left shoulder injury of sorts. Uh, I saw Tom Pelissero report that he's not going to be out that long, that it wasn't as bad as they initially thought it could be, which is great. But then he's going to be out for a little period of time, I I would guess. And then late in the practice, um, Caleb Evans, who is a lock to start, provided he's healthy, got his bell rung, which is a big deal because he had three concussions last year. Now he put on Instagram that he's okay, but nonetheless, those two are, were examples of the lack of depth at that spot. Um, Ronald Darby, who was brought in about two weeks ago for a workout by the Vikings, has now signed with Baltimore because they obviously had Marlon Humphrey go down. So here, so here's the here's the point or the question. At cornerback, do you think that the Vikings need to go out and get some more depth there j- just to be safe? Um, because, you know, you get you get pretty depleted. It's not that they don't have bodies. It's that they don't have guys necessarily that I think they're going to feel comfortable playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting, too, when Caleb Evans got taken out, Andrew Booth Jr. did not come in to replace him. So th- that mm-hmm. was a weird a weird one as well. I just don't know how much depth there is there and the depth that they do have. I don't know that there's a lot of confidence there at this point in time. Do you go out and look to add there? I think you should always be looking to add at every position. You should never feel overconfident that you are safe. And I, I watch a, I've been watching big brother and while I work, I have old seasons on in the background. And the one thing that they always say is if you feel safe, that's when you're the most vulnerable. And I, I kind of think it's the same thought if you're a general manager, if you feel safe at a position, then all of a sudden stuff happens. Like 2016, uh, Teddy Bridgewater goes down. Oh, you need a quarterback because you think you can win a title. Oh, and then you lose like what? It felt like 40 left tackles. That season. They just kept going down and down and down. You should always be looking for talent and trying to upgrade your roster, however that may look. I don't know if 
because it sounds like from reports this morning that both Makai Blackman and Caleb Evans are fine. And it was more minor ding ups. That was what I had, I had seen earlier today. And if it's just minor dings, eh, that's fine. I, I don't really have an issue with it because now you can just give extra reps to guys like Jalen Williams, Joan Williams, Tay Gowan, Andrew Booth Jr., Kalen Barnes, and see if you have somebody worth keeping or mm-hmm. be comfortable with to be a fourth cornerback on game day. Because when you don't have, because you're not going to play Byron Murphy in this game. Your starting cornerbacks are probably Joan Williams and Andrew Booth Jr. Run them. Let, let's see how it goes. Oh, yeah. Needs the reps more than pretty much anybody on this team. Yep. And that's when you can start answering those questions. And I think they should probably try and bring in cornerbacks for visits. But you also have to remember from a business perspective, the Wilfs want to be competitive every year because it's good for business. How many guys do you want to bring in for some of these visits? Because it's expensive. Yeah, you're looking at probably like one to three thousand dollars every time you bring in a guy for a visit because it depends on you got to pay for him to fly out here, you got to pay for his lodging, you got to pay for the travel within the city, you have to pay for him to go to his next stop. And last second plane tickets are not cheap, and there's a non zero possibility some of those tickets are first class. So there's a lot of nuance there to like why they may or may not bring in guys, but you should always be trying to improve your roster no matter what. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. So you're against Forno bringing in potentially a free agent cornerback here. You kind of just want to see the depth play out. You want to see the rookies and second-year players make their hay and maybe don't go into the free agent realm to bring another corner in? I think let's evaluate on Sunday. Let's see where Makai Blackman and Caleb Evans are. And if they're going to be back out at practice on Monday, bad. Yeah, bring in a visit. Let's see. Like, maybe there's something there. But also, you want to be able to give some of these guys reps. Bringing in a veteran and then playing them on Saturday is not going to do you any good. It's not going to do these guys any good either. You want to be able to get them reps in live game situations. One, for their development. Two, you need to evaluate them and determine how you're going to be able to stack this 53-man roster. Yeah, I'm saying for these season actually because i think that there's so so the booth one is intriguing because brian Mm -hmm. flores and for the most part o'connell have said all of the like right things like nobody has gotten Mm -hmm. up and said oh my god this second round pick looks like a bust but everything they're doing with him screams they don't trust him at all and Mm -hmm. i mean he can't get first team reps and believe me this defense would would use us on the first team as rotational pieces just to see us there and booth is not part of of that he picks off the pass yesterday with the second team which is like one of the first nice plays he's made he's got a few practice picks and he throws the ball at the titans players that's that type of stuff is going to influence coaches they hate that crap and Mm -hmm. and then post practice booth says yeah i shouldn't have done that i wouldn't do that in a game well dude you should never throw the bleep in football at people so 
to me, the, to me, unless things change drastically in the next two weeks, there has basically been a vote of little confidence in Booth. I think he should play a ton on Saturday. I also think that this team has to be very cognizant of the fact um, that if they have in- injuries, and the Evans thing really concerns me because, I mean, O'Connell raced out there and got him out for because the guy mm-hmm. had three concussions last year. So, like, you can't trust him totally. I think you could trust him as a player, but you can't trust that, you know, he might just be unfortunately predisposed to concussions. So that's my point is I, I think it's going to become imperative to have more depth at that, unless you love these kids, to have more depth at that position group because guys are going to get hurt. And it's when mm-hmm. you don't have the depth there that I think that, that there can be problems. I'm not saying that you have to bring in a big name. I am saying I think it would be very wise to explore it the possibilities, but I'm totally with you in these next two games, these next two weeks, find out what you have currently. And again, Booth needs to show them more. Like don't take anything that they've said about him. Seriously. They are blowing smoke, which they should do as coaches, but they are showing you on the practice field that they don't trust him at all. Yeah. And I think I need to contextualize my, my, thoughts here a little better Judd because I think that they should definitely consider it I just don't want them to do it right now I want them to wait until at least Sunday because I, so, I want to see how some of these guys react and I want to see more progress reports on guys like Blackman and Evans because I think you can feel comfortable with a healthy Byron Murphy Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman, Joan Williams top four. Andrew Booth Jr. is still a wild card for multiple reasons and I'm still a big fan of Tay Gowan I I understand that he's a long shot to make the roster for multiple reasons, but he has just impressed me every time I've seen him. And I really liked him coming out of UCF in 2021. So there's a little bit of a, I I guess implicit bias there because I do think he's a really talented player. Mm -hmm. And what happened? What about mixing in Jay Ward at cornerback? He's played hundreds of snaps at outside corner and slot corner throughout his career at LSU and you have a built-in guy who can slide in and do some of those things without having to go outside the roster. Now, going outside the roster is not necessarily a bad idea, but when you go outside, like Ronald Darby, you probably would have had to have paid $5 million. That's $5 million bucks. then you can't allocate to somebody else when somebody capable might have already been on your roster. That's why I'm, I'm just utilizing a little bit of cold feet, and I want to see more reps from some of these guys before I make that decision. What else are you looking for to watch on the preseason game to this weekend, Tyler? Look, we have to talk about my guy, Jaron Hall. Uh, I thought his I performance, ask you about him. performance against the Seahawks was relatively neutral. Um, mm-hmm. I gave him like a C, C-plus grade over the course of it because there's so many factors. You're running a very vanilla offense. You're running with third-teamers. He was getting zero time to block. He made some pretty good decisions where he was throwing the ball away when there was absolutely nothing there but you can tell some of his quick game accuracy was a little off. He was throwing it low and behind when he should have been more out front. And he was not seeing things fast enough in real time. And that's a problem with a lot of rookie quarterbacks. So I'm not necessarily going to penalize him a lot for it, but I want to see improvement. How is he going to grow from game to game? There was a play where he was, uh, he was scrambling out to the right. Blake Prohl comes open for about 1.2 seconds. And he has a narrow window to throw the football. And by the time he sees it, the defender's already caught back up and you can't make that throw. So it's some of those anticipation things I want to see improvement with. And that's how we're going to know that he can take the next step in this development curve that he has. 
but I would I really want to see him with the twos because I yeah. think having improved talent around him is going to help him feel more comfortable and to start making better decisions because with the threes, man, that, there was some really rough stuff. I'd consider starting him in, in like this game. I consider starting him because look, look, Nick Mullins is Nick Mullins. Okay. I'm not yeah. saying he doesn't need to play, but, and, and he also, he also got pretty extensive reps with the twos in, in the joint practices. Mm-hmm. Jaron Hall did not obviously. So I would say that it would be very fair to start Jaron Hall in this game with the second offensive line and the second team receivers just to give him the opportunities, Tyler, that you're talking about. Um, and, and look, I don't think that there's any, any great disservice to Nick if he plays in the second half of this game. And my guess is Kirk's not going to play against the Cardinals either. So, you know, Nick can start the last pre- preseason game as well. But I think you're you're spot on. I think if you're going to give Jaron Hall a real chance, put him with the twos, start him Saturday and at least give him a chance to show his improvement with a group of players that's probably going to hold up better or a lot better than the third teamers did in Seattle. Yeah, okay. I agree. I agree completely. You got to give this guy a chance, opportunity and giving him the ability to play with players who are much much better around him makes a difference. Now, there are some players who are going to shine no matter what. Uh you you talk about like the Patrick Mahomes of the world. He lost his best receiver and he just goes out and wins a Super Bowl. Like there are just players like that. But if you really want to see what they're truly capable of, you have to make sure that they're not playing in a dumpster fire. And yeah. quite frankly, some some of those performances, and albeit we have to be fair, a couple of those offensive linemen were on the team for what, two, three days? So it's not it's yeah. not like they had extensive experience and continuity with these guys. But the second teamers do, and that's where you can. I think you'll be able to see it more, more trust, more confidence, and a much faster player in Jaron Hall if you gave him that start. And the difference here too is he's got a, a head coach in this case that wants him to succeed. Yes, because like with Zim, you know, Kellen Mond, ah, screw him, we'll stick him in with the threes, and I, I think it'd be a very good call on O'Connell's part when it comes to Jaron Hall to try and beef up his confidence as well as much as possible. And if you you start him into the game on Saturday, you give him, you know, the first half or so you're going to get his, you're at least going to give him a shot to feel good. And to me with with a kid like that, a fifth round pick, a clear project, which is absolutely fine. You want to do everything you can to instill a confidence there. And if you put him in with the third teamers again in the second half, to your point, you don't want to create the gong show. It's hard enough to do his job. You don't want mm-hmm. to give him a gong show around him and say, you know, make chicken salad out, out of chicken bleep. So I think that there's a really good case to be made that Jaron Hall should get the start on Saturday. Uh, Kirk Cousins not going to play. Kirk Cousins almost certainly not going to play, in my opinion, against the Cardinals. Put Mullins as the starter a week from Saturday. Call it a day. But then you've at least given Jaron Hall a positivity or or something to potentially feel positive about. Absolutely. And throughout my time of practice, I saw Hall getting more and more involved with the twos, uh, whether it just be passing drills or whatnot. And I think that was a positive step forward in showing that, hey, we're seeing more and more from this guy. But they they don't have to rush things. The the only way Hall should play this year is if Kirk Cousins tears his ACL in week three and they decide, you know what? 
let's just give the rookie the ball and see what we got. <laughs> the season's pretty much shot anyway. We're not going to do it with Mullins. Let's let's just see what the kid has. And if you know what, maybe we strike gold. And I think that's the only way he should end up playing at all this year. So these preseason reps are, are a really big deal in his growth and development and giving him the start makes all too much sense. And I'm really intrigued to see if O'Connell will do it. The last thing I don't even know if it's possible. Well, it, it is possible, but Justin Jefferson obviously has been great today since he got drafted. He's been absolutely a superstar. Mm-hmm. What we're watching in training camp, you guys is ridiculous. I think that this guy has actually improved himself and it might be much improved. Some of the catches that we're seeing to me, and I talked about this with Phil on on our reaction to Thursday's joint practice, Tyler, some of the ways he's contorting his body now to make catches and avoid hits is absolutely incredible. And he's always been good. I'm not, I'm not saying that he hasn't. Okay. But I'm not sure what you've thought, but when I watch him now at practice, I'm like, my God, this guy's dedication to the craft while also being an outstanding player is off the charts. How, what, four or five teams that took receivers in the first round, I think it was four, passed on this kid. I will never know. His devotion to becoming the best that he can possibly be is is one of the most admirable things I've seen from a guy who would probably be a star without that gene. Yeah. Man, Justin Jefferson might be the best football player on this planet. And that includes Patrick Mahomes because so much of what Mahomes does is like, it's so mental and it's so much about more about intelligence than actually, you know, playing the position. I, I, it sounds convoluted, but that that's kind of what I'm saying. Like you, you just need to be a better athlete and technician at the, at the wide receiver position. And he's just so incredible. It, it, he moves like Gumby. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. He, he doesn't even need pokey, which is the mo- really impressive part. And it's, <laughs> he's just fluid. I get why he fell. There were real concerns about him being able to really thrive outside. Cause his sophomore season, he played outside and it was, it was okay. But, and then his junior year, obviously he flourished in the slot, but it, Scouting lessons were learned on just understanding movement, but coming out, he, I had him as my wide receiver five because the guys in front of him, I missed on Denzel Mims like a lot of people did, but Jerry Judy arguably is a better route runner than Justin Jefferson. He just can't stay healthy. Henry Ruggs that will never know how good he could have been because he made just that uh, atrociously awful mistake. And now he's serving prison time and CD lambs. Fantastic. But Justin Jefferson has surpassed him. Like there is some really, really good talent in that class, and I don't fault anybody for passing on him. But boy, am I glad they did! Wow, yeah, he is great. All right, sir, we are are done again. Check out Tyler Fornis's work, VikingsWire.com. Outstanding stuff, and also you, you can find uh, some Zolgad columns as well. Declan, tell the people what they need to know, and then we'll be out of here. Yep, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Purple Daily. We'll be back tomorrow.